And it is time now for our Master Gardener segment with our good friend, Master Gardener, Barb Lamson. Barb Lamson, I feel like spring has sprung. Hey, Karen, and I agree with you. And I hope our listeners feel that way, too. You know, it it may appear to us it's cold. And it's a snowstorm and, and coming. The yeah. weather's changing. But you know what? Look outside. The signs of nature are there. I had the first rabbit that I've seen this spring. Wait a minute. You haven't seen them all winter? Just, I've seen um, evidence that uh, they're there, but I haven't seen them on the snowbanks or anything like that. But here he was eating the new sprouts of grass. And the grass, I would say, in this last week has really greened up. So there is new grass there. And so I tapped on the window. Nope, he ignored me. I tapped harder. <laughs> he ignored me. Finally, I'm kind of giving it a really big rap. And he turned his head sideways, looked up, and then just continued to ignored eat. Ignored you. Yes, yes. <laughs> what was he eating? Grass. He was oh. eating He was eating grass. I, you know, I did a, a program on composting last week over in Wasika, and we always get such rewarding feedback from people. So I talked about uh, how it's important for the compost pile to heat, you know, in proper location, getting it Mm -hmm. where there's going to be sun, but also putting in the nitrogen and the darks. Things are so important to this. Water is important. Turning it is important. And he raised his hand and he said, I can tell you my compost pile is working. Oh. It is heating because I had a snake sunning himself <laughs> on top of my <laughs> compost pile, so it's warm. I know that. So, and he had a picture, and and he showed us a picture, and he said this has happened more than once. So well, it is true. They do like where it's nice and warm. And that's they right. Like to sun themselves. True. Well, I thought of Blake right away. My son who <laughs> loves snakes. Yes. Yes. So. Blake, if you have a compost pile, and if you want to know if your mom's compost pile is working, <laughs> Look for the if snakes. there's no snakes, it probably isn't. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a snake on my top of mine because they never really, I, you know, my problem is with my compost. I just don't turn them like I should. Sure, sure. And, a lot know. of people don't. And especially when it's been cold like this, we don't get out and do this. But his, Well, I don't do it in the summer either, Barb. Okay, okay. <laughs> my so husband sometimes, thank goodness. This was doing great. You oh. know, I think nature has so much to give us and very often we don't get our children out enough into nature we may take them to playgrounds so they can play have a play date and do things like that but getting them out into the woods getting them out into that that spot where they can just see things unexpectedly. Barb, you know, sometimes with all the the distractions and electronics, sometimes it is hard to get them out anymore. That is part of the problem. Yeah, that that's that's true too. Well it helps when the DNR has these days when the park is open for free. Oh good yeah they've they've had a number, don't they, coming up? We have uh April twenty second is the next one. Happens to be the day of my husband's birthday. But you know we always buy a pass because um I like to go out there several times a year and we need to support them. So April 22nd and then June 10th um, and September 9th and November 24th. So we'll keep these dates and remind yeah. people. If you you know, pack a little lunch. If you go out to Minneapolis, you can go out to the fall side. They've got picnic tables. Picnic tables and you can walk. Hey, and in the spring, there are, um, you have to stay on the trails, but there are um, native plants that are growing out there. That's very good. 
<clears throat> and then you can go over to the bison side, and, and you can see if there's uh, new babies born, you know, right. and if they're out uh, out and about. It's this whole idea of giving a child lots of opportunities and not rushing them. The thing, if you go with your family, you just... Have you ever seen, though, you see with parents are like, hurry up, hurry up, and the kid wants to just sit there and look at something or study it. And yes. sometimes, I mean, we with Grant, we got used to that because, you know, he had this fascination with cicadas. So we, and I'm not kidding, you went to every park in town and looked at every single tree, and he would look at them to see if they had any of the, the shells that the cicadas mm-hmm. leave behind. He mm-hmm. would put them in containers. <laughs> so literally we had like 200 plus uh, empty shells of cicadas, but that was his thing, and, and that's how they learn and you just let them you do know, it. Yeah, it, children just naturally do this if if you give them time. And so very often, uh, I've noticed with children, they will squat right down. Oh yeah, they want to get really close to the subject. They want to really see what's going on. And this reminds me of our fur babies, my daughter's yes. puppies. When I walk them, they have to sniff every <laughs> yeah. single mailbox posts every single fire hydrant. Well, they want to know who else has been there. Yes, yes, they do. And and uh, they seem to. If someone has thrown away a hamburger wrapper and it's in the street, they both rush towards that. <laughs> they go from the side of the street. They want to go. Uh, they can smell food. Yeah, right. But I think it's I think it's great to get your kids out if you can find opportunities to do that. And then if you can get involved in a community garden so that you can garden with them there or you can garden them with them at home. That is just such a great thing. Now, you do the community gardens, and I think yes. now they are all under the purview of the Living Earth Center. Yes, And it they used are. to be Blue Earth County, but I think they've taken over even the county ones. Yes, they have. And so I believe they're still taking people, if they want to get a community garden, yes. you can still register. And so encourage yep. people to do that. Even yes. if you don't know what you're doing, there's somebody else there that will you can probably ask. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing of it is, up at Good Council, we were, um, Lynn sent us a letter and said we had to sign up if we wanted to get our same lots, and we did, and we got them, and uh, that's really great. It'll be better when we know that we're going to be able to do this year after year like we did previously. Right. The 15 years that we were running back and forth and doing this was really great because you can plant perennial things then like asparagus or strawberries or, or rhubarb. rhubarb. Don't you have rhubarb? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really great. My daughter was telling me she just loves strawberry rhubarb jelly. And I had... Made, I don't blame her. It's good. <laughs> it is good. It's a great combination because the uh, strawberries are sweet naturally and the rhubarb is tart. And you mix those two together. You add a little sugar, a little pectin, and you've got this really wonderful, wonderful jam. So I brought some up to her and she said, you know, Mom, I'm, I'm going to make strawberry rhubarb jam. I said, it's not the same when you buy the strawberries in the store and they've been shipped in. Most likely, theirs are coming from Florida, starting to come in from there. And uh, and we bring her frozen rhubarb. And I said, I'll be the strawberry rhubarb <laughs> gel person. And, and her dad is the pickle person. There you and go. So, but you can do that. You know, Keep your kids connected to nature in whatever way you can. And I see that the Kiwanis Club, God bless, gave... Um, 
$50,000 to the organization called My Place. Yes. It's a children's place and they for, for a new playground. And I would hope when they're planting that, when they're doing that, there there would be a garden in there for them. So these children could uh, to garden in, whether it be raised beds or, or vertical beds or or whatever it is, and use lots of native plants, too. I hope they look for input. Oh, that absolutely. would be, be great. Yeah, yeah. Barbs, you know what I did last night? Well, I know you weren't outside digging, were you? I was inside, <clears throat> and I, I, I planted a bunch of seeds in little containers Good. in the mixing soil. Sweet alyssum, which is a flower. Yes. And you plant it now to get it started ahead, so you'll get the blooms starting at the beginning of summer, and they bloom through the rest of the year. And I've actually never planted them. And those seeds are so tiny, Barb. Yes. They are like a speck of dust. So it said there are 100 seeds in there. And I, I looked because the, the, it didn't feel like anything was in the packet. And oh, my goodness, they are so tiny. So I was going to take a, a chopstick and think I was going to just, you know, wet it a little. and sure. But that didn't work. I, I had to take a, a plate and take those little seeds and just push them off yeah. one by one. They're so tiny. So you have to be so careful. Because I was just thinking, you know, a lot of times when you buy the sweet alyssum as bedding plants, there's so many in a little cell. Mm-hmm. Well, that's probably why, because you can't separate those <laughs> that's seeds. That's right. That's right. And you know what? I like sweet alyssum. The bees like it. It's really great. Once it gets started, it will spread. The big caution with that is if you put it in a perennial border, don't put it too close to the edge. Get it further in because it keeps spreading and it'll spread out. Well, now this kind I got is is called, I think it was snow crystal. It was a variety that's supposed to be more of a mounding uh, right, like and it big, has bigger flowers. On yes, it. yes, yes. So I, I purposely did that. So I had, I had to order it special through a catalog because they didn't have it anywhere else. So I hope that, but that's a good advice. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That and the, um, the creeping flocks. Both of the, that's another one that I love to grow. And if you get that too close to the edge, it doesn't take long before the grass gets in and mixes with it. And that is a problem. Trying to lift up, get out the grass that's growing underneath it without damaging the flocks. See, so, I'm thinking of using it as edges in my gardens along where there's the, the uh, concrete, you know, or yeah. like a sidewalk <clears throat> or something. So they really right. can't go in the grass. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, a, that's a great way to do it. Absolutely. So that's what I did. So I started those and I put them on the little heat mats and I have my lights on because they need light to germinate. Yes. And those are ones that you don't cover up. And just this weekend, I planted some impatient seeds. And those are other ones that you don't cover up. You just put them on top of the soil. And, you know, then I put a little, I, I didn't, uh, I just put like saran wrap to kind of keep mm-hmm. the moisture in. And so they're under the lights because they need light to germinate. So that's where I'm at. And I've started probably about 25 coleus uh, slits that mm-hmm. I actually cut from the plant. So I'm growing in the house. Yes. You know, coleus is great. You And impatience you can take if you've brought a big plant in. You can take cuttings off from that, and they will root for you in just no time at all. Geraniums are another one that you can take cuttings off from. That's great. And as a matter of fact, uh, uh, like a Christmas cactus or a cactus of that nature, you can just break off those little, they seem to grow expand by segments and you can see for this segment take that off put that I wouldn't ever put that in water put that in uh, potting soil and uh, 
dip it in a rooting hormone first, and you'll have a plant uh, start. It'll root, and it'll be great. Yeah, I did that with the, the coleus starts. I dipped them in a rooting hormone. In the past, I haven't, and I didn't have really that great a luck, so I'm hoping this will make a difference. Sure, sure. So there's lots of things we can do right now. The main thing is knowing what the requirements of the plant are. And sometimes we do things, and we think, Put ourselves first and we think I don't have time to do this today I'm going to do this tomorrow and tomorrow comes you think oh I probably should have repotted these but I don't have time right now and so don't start plants unless you know you're going to have time to take care of them right in the spring things just seem to add up so quickly oh yes and then we we chatted about this a little yesterday Barb that I ordered some things from a catalog and oh yes. and it was such a good deal <clears throat> and I was like man my husband's like oh yeah that's such a good deal you should order and I slept on it. In fact, I didn't sleep very well because I thought about it. Where am I going to put those? I'm going to have to dig up more yards. So then the next sure. day I canceled that because I just realized that, Karen, it seems really like a great idea now, but when they all start coming, the other plants start coming, you're, you're going to be overwhelmed. Right, right. And you know, the first year, that first season that plants are in, you really should pay the most attention to mm-hmm. them, making sure that they're watered and watching them before if Uh, a problem becomes severe for them. You know, you never can tell. Maybe the roots were damaged in the shipping or something like that. So pay attention to them. And um, I would say also that if if you've got time on your hands and you're interested in hostas or iris or lilies, why not check them out uh, on the web, see what their website has to say about them, and maybe you would consider joining we we get the most beautiful. Oh, right. The, there's certain, there's special societies, like there's Peony Society, there's Rose Society, there's Orchid Society. And you just told me you just joined another society, the, uh, the, the Iris, Iris Society. society yes. And I'm with the, the Lily Society and the Hosta Society. But the one thing you get is education, whether I know they've had some online things that you you can um, take advantage of. They've got some in-person things mm-hmm. that you can take advantage of. And I always learn something Wonderful. Like this weekend, the Hosta Society is having a speaker up at the Northwest Marriott, and that will be from 2 to 5 this week. That's in Minneapolis. And they're having a a lady talk on jumping worms, and that is such a big issue. And so by belonging to the club, you find out about all all these things, and and you get wonderful newsletters that have lots of great articles as well. Sure, sure. I was just talking to a lady yesterday, Mary, and she was talking about, she's got... uh, uh, the fusarian uh, wilt in her hostas. Oh, no. Yeah. And so she said she was going to be going up for this program. She is a member of the hosta oh, society okay. as well. Good. So, and we're all worried about the, the jumping worm. I mean, that sounds like uh, like when the locusts began to infest, <laughs> yeah. you know, the plains uh uh, uh, in the United States, and they just spread in the winds all over. The I think that these jumping worms can spread really fast too. Oh, yeah, th- right. And a lot of it, th- all the plant um, groups that I'm in have changed how they do their plant sales, including our Minnesota River Valley Master Gardeners. We used to just, you know, dig them from the garden, put it in a pot, and then. Oh, there, you know, buy this and take it home. Well, if there's any cocoons or any jumping worms in there, you spread that to the next garden. So now you dig things up. You have to wash the roots very thoroughly and put it in new potting soil that's been sterilized. So, I mean, the Hostess Society does that and all the other ones that I know. Sure. And you have to sterilize the pot, too. 
Right. Make sure that, you know, if you're using a plastic pot or a glass pot, pottery pot, make sure that that's clean too, which is one of the jobs I have to do now oh. because I didn't do it last fall. Oh. I got so busy with everything um, that I was adding and working on, and I let that go. It's a lot harder to be washing pots outside now oh. than it would have been this summer. Well, so. I did a bunch of this winter in the in the sink down yes. in the basement, but I mean it is right. a lot harder because it, and it's messy. <laughs> it is messy. Yeah. You know, I wanted to give a plug for our um, state um, North Society. Star Lily Society because one of the things they give you is a quarterly report, including colored pictures. Mm-hmm. Now, getting a a picture of a flower that's black and white doesn't really do too much for you. But when we see them in color, and a lot of the uh, Asiatics that they're featuring in this quarterly uh, review is um, things grown hybridized by by their lilies, uh, by, by their lilies, by their by, by members. Their members, right? Yes, and and some of these are going to be on sale now. Right, there's a sale coming up, and is it April twenty second? Yes, and that's. Uh, this year, they, they're also adding an on uh, phone. You can phone in your orders. So check out the North Star Lily Society um, on the day of the event. And so they're having, uh, I can't remember how many, uh, 100 varieties or something. And these are ones you can't find anywhere else. Right. Not all of them. Some of them are popular varieties you can sure, get other sure. elsewhere. But they're reasonable, and it's a fundraiser for the club to continue to do its education programs and right. its tours and things. But yeah, so the April 22nd, the North Star Lily Society, is going to be having that sale. And if you're a member, you have access early from 9 to 10. And then if you're just a regular off-the-street person, it's then it's 10. Then you get whatever's left. <laughs> but, yeah. Because if you're a diehard Lily person, you're probably a member. And it's only like, what is it, $10 a year? For, it's $5 a year. Yeah, it's, it's you couldn't be any... $10 for two years. You pay yeah. So you can't be, be better deal to get all you get from that. But yeah, let, um, that's a great way that we've been adding to our lily collection because, you know, my son hybridizes them. And sure. I don't know how many we have because now we're finally got to the point, Barb, where he started seeds uh, three years ago. And this is the year we'll finally be able to see how some of those are actually flowering. How exciting. Yeah. I mean, that is exciting for anybody. And can you imagine for a kid knowing that you created this? And then you yeah. get to name it. Yes. Yes, that's true, too. You know, one of the things that I thought was great about this uh, quarterly review is the new double Asiatics. I didn't realize that they had been hybridized to the point where you just don't get that single um, petals. You get doubles, and they're gorgeous. Right. You get all the extra petals. The one thing is they don't have the pollen for the pollinators. Right. So, you know, I include them in my garden as like a, a standout or a show-off thing sure. versus I wouldn't want them all because I still want to make sure the pollinators get right. Fit. But right. they're beautiful. They've they got are. just like more than twice as many petals. and Oh, amazing. They, they, they bloom like a peony would, yeah. except their their lilies are, are their Pointed. but. Pointed, yes, yeah. they're recurved, and then they also have one that's called, uh, I think it's called Happy Face, and our Smiling Face, and it is showing. Which one is that? I don't. Remember. It's so incredibly big smile. Big smile. Big smile. It's an Oriental, and it's splayed out. You know, it's flattened out like that, and then it has this wonderful, um, not red but not pink, that color going down, painted like into fuchsia? the petal. Uh, it's not fuchsia either, and you know how this these things are. It's um, 
I would call it raspberry color. Oh, yeah, yeah. That when you see raspberries. And then it has freckles, yes. which are spotted. Freckles, yep. It, mm-hmm. Now, that is a happy thing, too. Now, the double one I see that I like so very Anushka? much. Anushka? Uh, yes. Yes, Anushka. and that is one that they have at the sale because I know people have asked about that, the Anushka right. bulbs. And some of them are limited quantities, so right. you want to get ahead. But like I said, this year they're going to add the phone feature and see how it works yep. because not everybody, it's a, it's up in the Twin Cities at Bachman's. So not right. everybody can get there, but that happens to be a state organization and that's where they meet. And in case you're interested in uh, Anushka, the price for that is only $12. Right. <laughs> That is so reasonable. And Big Smile is $8. Right. I mean... You know, they they um, order in bulk, and they make a little, but not that much. It's just for a fundraiser for the club, as you know, like any right, other right. fundraisers. So you're, you're getting a good deal. The Hasa Society is having its big sale on June 3rd, and, you you know, hundreds and hundreds of varieties that you can't find anywhere else, too. Sure, so we'll sure. talk more about that when it gets closer. Oh, but, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I mean, it's a great way to add on to your... Your garden, or and if you're like me, you see your eyes are bigger than your garden space, and you make more. <laughs> it, it's it's one of the uh, things that happens with gardeners, you know. Right. Well, at the time when you see things, you think, "Well, yeah, that wouldn't be a lot of work. I can do that. I right. can add that." But then reality sits in when you come home with your stuff, and you realize how things have grown over the winter and spread. You have less room right. than you thought you would uh, in the fall. Now, you and I were just interviewed for, um, was it the Mankato Magazine? or Yes, it was. They're doing an article on gardening. And one of the questions that I was asked, I don't know if you were asked the same one, was what advice would you give somebody who's just starting out? And my advice was you start small. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to get overwhelmed. Maybe it's you start <clears> with <throat> just some containers on your deck or your front steps or a small little raised bed because otherwise... It's just overwhelming because you and I started. I mean, my parents had a giant garden, and it was overwhelming with how many weeds it got. And we and before the 4-H tour, we would have weed day where we just pull, 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 and have piles and piles of weeds. But you know, it it can get overwhelming. Yeah, exactly. And my advice to anybody would be, you know, <clears throat> um, include your whole family, your yes. children, your husband. If you've got aunts or uncles, somebody else who loved to garden but they don't have one, invite them to help come with and help in uh, work with you. And uh, <coughs> also, uh, just take a journal and just say, you know, I realize that uh, any information I put in here next year, the weather is going to be different. Right. I may have gotten something in the garden. Like I was talking to my neighbor and he said last year he got his peas in the garden, April 15th. And this year... He has a snowbank there. Right. Oh, exactly. And we had two years of drought, which has discouraged me in many ways and also made me change the way I look at purchasing plants. Now I'm looking at more that can survive droughts and are more water-wise, which is probably a smart thing anyway with climate change. And so that's the thing. You do learn year to year. It's like a farmer. You never know. It could be a boom year. It could be a bust year. Right. And you do it because you just love it. Yeah. And, And, you know, I noticed I was in and got my physical, and they always have... um. So a baseline for what right. how you were doing on all things last year, all these lab work and all this, it's so incredibly important. Your baseline changes. This is just an indicator of where you were, and this is just an indicator of when you were able to get something in the garden. And then the other thing is, uh, when did you harvest the first fruit? 
whether it was the first radish or the mm-hmm. first strawberry or the cucumber, just if you'll just put that date down, that will help you too. And and you know, and I know, uh, we all take summer vacations. We want to be available like when the tomatoes are coming mm-hmm. in and we need to be picking them every day or every other day. Or if you start new plants, you need to be there to water them. Yes, yeah, yeah. So so bear that in mind. And if you just, just it doesn't have to be anything fancy. Just scribble it down in a notebook. But then <clears throat> put a label on there that says, uh, you know, my journal, don't lose it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, I have several started. I want to do that. We just got like a minute left. But uh, snow mold has been an issue that people are bringing up uh, if, because the snow is melting now. And so you look at your grass and you'll find this icky gray kind of white. It almost looks like spider webs sometimes on it. And that's a fungus that is often found under the soil and uh, because the the warm unfrozen soil under the snow allows the fungus to grow and spread along during the winter months but most often uh, this fungal disease will just damage the leaves of the grass but does not kill the entire plant so the best thing to when it's dry enough is to lightly rake these areas to fluff up the matted lawn and increase circulation. I, I would just say one preventive thing is um, to cut your lawn in the fall. Shorter. Don't let it lay be so tall and it's going to lay over it it anytime you have a fungal thing things that mat down together you're going to have more of a problem with that and if you have some dead patches wait until late april to early may before you put down any grass seed so those are just some some tips just to exactly so we're eager and ready but we're uh keeping ourselves inside and not going out and compacting the soil right and i'm going up to the hosta meeting tomorrow at the the Marriott from 2 to 5, and I'm going to learn all about jumping worms. I just want to say one thing. The uh, nuns at Good Council, who have left now and moved up to Shakopee, they are selling some of their extra furniture and things. That is happening tomorrow in the basement of their building next to the... Uh, to the, as you come in and go to the back, you'll see it. There's a big sign. There. What time is that? And that's from nine to twelve. Okay. And up at Good Council Hill, uh, they have assorted things, assorted all kinds Old of things. furniture that they're just yeah cleaning things, out. Yeah, that they, they don't need to move with them. And so, I assume they're reasonable. They are very reasonable. It's um, it's a you make a donation. Okay. You know the nuns, they're so generous, and they've been so generous to us to let us use their land for our garden. So. I got to go up there and buy something. Okay, thanks, Barb. All right, it is 